So I was so tempted to start this episode today with my typical like Asama dudes, but you want to know what I realized? I realized the other day when I was trying to explain to my boyfriend where that came from, that I've based my like a core part of my personality and how I interact with other people around a 2009 vine of a dude being like a saw dude. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go to YouTube and type it in because I am low key embarrassed and impressed that this amount of my personality is based off of the Internet. But that's just how she goes when you're a content hoe, you know, Okay. Yeah. anyways, happy freaking Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Big Steak Energy. Um, today's episode, honestly, I, I keep saying they're my favorite, but this one is probably one of the most like hype, stoke-filled episodes we've ever done. And it's purely because of the chick that we interviewed. She is a absolute certified shredder, badass, and maximum entertainment value. Like there's so many one-liners from this episode that could have been turned into stickers and would have slapped so hard. Honestly, like the girl can take a hit. She's sending, she's honest, she's genuine. And she had the biggest comeback from one of the gnarliest slams I have ever seen on a mountain bike. I literally watched the slam while we were interviewing her and I was like dumbfounded like i hope i can find the clip and post it on social media or i hope that you found this from watching her slam on social media and us resharing it because it was freaking bananas um the chick we have on today her name is bailey goldstone she is an up-and-coming downhill mountain biker from squamish bc she is a young firecracker who was recently the canadian downhill champ and then went went to world championships in france um huge accomplishments but the biggest accomplishment of all is she managed to get those titles after coming back from an unbelievably gnarly crash at dark horse invitational in 2021 and in this episode she dives into the like play-by-play -play of how that accident happened what happened afterwards and coming out of it like this is one tough chick and i've got huge respect for her i hope i have the opportunity to meet her in person one day because honestly like yeah top-notch chick I hope you guys enjoy this episode uh, wherever you are listening to this. If you feel inclined, leave us a review. We love to hear the feedback. And before we dip into it with Bailey, we're just going to run through a couple quick ads. If you're on social media and in the ski industry, then you know there's been a lot of drama around transceiver recalls in the last year. Uh, this is because you need a piece of equipment that is guaranteed to work out there. There's not going to be malfunctions. It's one of the most critical pieces of any backcountry kit. So you need to find something that actually works. I'm really stoked that we have the opportunity to partner with Memmut because their Berry Vox S is one of the most capable and high-performing beacons on the market. It outperforms year after year against other pro-level transceivers in range and its ability to differentiate between beacons and multi-burial situations. The bang for buck is 100% worth it with this transceiver. It's honestly the gold standard on the market for reliability and performance. Head to www.mammut.com and use the code OUTOF25 for 25% off eligible products. Winter is coming and I am excited to be doing some camping in my partner's GoFest camper pop-up canopy tent. So we need to get our winter kit ready and that means I have to have some uh, basics in there. One of them is my rumple blanket. You don't know how cold it's going to get. It's good to have that extra uh, layer of warmth when you get back from ski touring and you're going to camp out for the night. And the other one is the pack towel. Uh, just makes like cleanup easy if I want to like wash my face afterwards. Um, in the summer, if you want to jump into a lake after mountain biking, you're just ready to go. It's lightweight. And on top of that, Rumpel does a really 
really good job of prioritizing sustainability, durability, and also just a cute blanket that you can take with you. Um, they make all of their blankets with the same technical materials in premium outdoor gear and activewear. Uh, they want to introduce the world to better blankets, but also with sustainability, they recycle over 5 million plastic water bottles a year and offset their carbon footprint significantly. They're weather resistant and most importantly, cozy. Um, they're good for the outdoors, the couch, like I said, they're staple in my kit. If you want to jump on it and, uh, grab one for yourself, head to their website and use the code out of bounds for 15% off eligible products. So 686 just dropped this season's new line of snow outerwear. They have a huge range of everything from technical Gore-Tex shells and bibs to steezy vests, puffers, onesies, and full monochrome kits. I love a good Gore-Tex shell, but I also like a cut that's a bit bigger, longer, and has room to layer. Not to mention I'm a certified sucker for a full monochrome kit. Um, they have some really rad options that fit all of those criteria. So definitely go check it out at 686.com. Their new line is available to order in both Canada and the USA. Stay steezy, my dudes. Bailey Goldstone. I won elite national champs this year. So fastest woman in Canada is pretty cool. It's my biggest flex. Um, been mountain biking basically since I could walk. Um, so about like 17 years now, which is like way more than half my life by a lot. I don't even know the math. Um, yeah, I travel the world to ride bikes. I work with bikes. I talk about bikes all day. Biking is just basically everything to me. That might've been one of my favorite introductions that we've had. Really? Okay. That was just word vomit, to be honest. Um, this whole next hour of your life is about to be word vomit because that's what podcasts are. It's yeah, all I've word vomit. I've never done a podcast before. You're already crushing it. You're like, I just bikes. Bikes? I was like, that is 100% a vibe. Just bikes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you've been biking your whole life. Literally, Do your yeah. parents bike a lot? Like, how did how did that start? Yeah. They like were big skiers and climbers um, and dirt bags. So then they obviously moved to Squamish in the late nineties as they do. Um, and then they just kind of like mountain biked as like another thing to do when they couldn't ski. Um, and then uh, we just kind of just were into it and we would like ride our bikes to school and everything. And then Jackson started racing BMX. And then, so we all went to all the BMX races and then after a bit of standing on the sidelines, I was like, this is dumb. Like, why am I here and just watching? So then I think I was like six or seven and I was like, okay, mom, like I'll race if you race. So then me and my mom both started racing. And then uh, eventually we all, me and Jack kind of plateaued in, mountain, in uh, BMX racing. And then he started doing more mountain bike events, even though we like kept mountain biking the entire time. He started racing mountain bikes more. and then. I started to not have as much fun in BMX. Um, and then, so I started going to the mountain bike events with my dad and my brother, and then just kind of made the full switch when I was like 12 or 13 to just racing mountain bikes all the time. Was it always DH or did you do other events too? Um, I did like the local high school cross country races and I absolutely hated it. I hate pedaling um, and I really hate pedaling fast. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> the first thing you told me when you came onto this call before Dory was here is that you just went for a three-hour gravel ride. So explain I, this. <laughs> I know. I like pedaling gravel bikes. I don't know why. 
But then you put me on a mountain bike and I'm like just so happy to get to the top of the hill. Like I'll pedal all the time and I love going for trail rides with my friends, but I want an e-bike. It's, it's going to happen. I'm going to get an e-bike so that I can just ride more downhill. But then I think I like the touring aspect of gravel riding because I get to go see all these cool waterfalls and stuff. Um, but yeah, I did a couple of enduro races, um, which also just hate pedaling. So I just wouldn't, didn't do those anymore. Okay. Um, I kind of like feel you on that though, because I, um, when I pedal uphill mountain biking, I've had multiple meltdowns, like, especially yeah. trying to chase my friend, like my boyfriend and his friends. And like, my dad used to be like a hardcore road cyclist back in the day. And he was like, anything that you ride, like gro gravel or road, like you could do like a hundred kilometers. And like, yeah. um, that would be like, you know, one, one third, like half relative effort, uh, to mountain biking, if that makes sense. So like 50 kilometers mountain biking would be like doing like a hundred plus kilometers gravel or road Yeah, 100%. Just be because like the, I don't know, it's just so much harder. So like my, boyfriend and I started going on like just pedaling road bike pathway bikes around the city. And I was like, this is way easier. Like I could go forever. Like what the fuck? Like yeah. I really enjoy this, but then uphill mountain biking, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah. I think also like gravel bikes, they don't have suspension and they have like skinnier tires with like a higher PSI. Well, I don't think I know. So then they're just more efficient to pedal. So it's less of like a slog to get up a hill. Cause you're just kind of like, it's just more efficient anyway. So you just get to the hill t quicker. It's less effort. I did, I did like three hours and I was like, oh, I could have gone for like another hour, but I have a podcast to do. So I got a podcast to do. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking, I was like, Oh fuck, do I go this way or do I, and like go do this other like loop or do I go home so I can like have a shower and like get to my computer. And I was like, well, I wonder if this podcast is going to be a call. Cause like, to be honest, I could have just, I could have just talked to you guys while I was riding my bike. I do that all the time. I'll be like, at the top of the bike park and my friend will call me and I always wear I always listen to music when I ride people think it's weird I don't know why I, I ride do better. Too. I ride so much better with music um and then my friend called me and I picked up the phone and I rode all of A-line hit every single jump everything like usual while like holding a conversation with her on the phone and it wasn't until the last jump when I was like hold on a sec I have to really like I have to pull hard for this jump and she was just like what do you mean pull hard for this jump? Like, are you riding a bike right now? And I was like, yeah, I have been the whole time. She was just mind blown that I just, I don't know. I just didn't do it. I, I mean, like, the GLC jump is way beyond me, but yes, you do have to pull hard for that you jump. Do. And like, literally I come into it like full pinned, like scrub the jump before it and pedal into it just to barely clear it. I'm like, what, what, why is this jump like this? No, this is um, what I, I am told as well. But that's exactly pretty much how my boyfriend describes it too. Is like yeah. you pretty much just have to like because it has that big corner ahead, like right mm -hmm. before it, right? And he's like, you mm -hmm. can't even like ride all the way up in the corner because you can't you just, lose speed like that. You just gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but I was like, hmm, I could take the podcast while riding my bike, or I could go home. So I went home, but. <laughs> Hey, that's all good. I also just wanted to say, like, when you just, like, dropped in with some, like, you know, tech talk, like, specs of, like, comparing bikes, I was like, I don't think I love anything more than a girl just info dumping about tech and gear. <laughs> it's, like, one of my yeah. favorite things. I, like, hear them go off, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I, yeah. whew. 
I've just like it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> thank you. Honestly, like I'm there's two other girls that work at the shop. One of them's new, and then one of them only works part time. So I've kind of been like the only girl in the past couple of years that's been there full time for like a year or so. So I've like met a lot of the customers and everything and like definitely all of the guys in the shop have way more knowledge than me because they're all nerds and they just love listening about angles and everything. I can't tell you what centimeters and angles and everything my bike has or why it's better or whatever, but like I feel like I have a pretty good knowledge and I just think it's so funny when I'm in the shop and I'm like, oh yeah, you want this or you don't want this or I, I tell a customer something. And then they're like, yeah, go get your manager. Like, they just straight up don't want to listen to me because I'm a girl. And I'm like, bro, like, I know everything that I need to know. And I know exactly what my manager is going to tell you. And it's what I just told you. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. You yeah, are preaching the to the choir with us yeah. right now. Oh, like, we've had a whole episodes bitching about this phenomenon. Yeah. Like, it's like the funniest part, too, is like I do most pretty much all of like the inventory and um like inventory counts and organizing and shit for my store um so somebody like came up to me and was like being really pushy with me that he wanted this thing and I was like okay well I don't have it like I didn't even have to look it up I just knew we didn't have this thing because I know because I'm smart (laughs) and then he was like no like get your manager I need to ask your manager like go ask your manager are you sure it's not in the back and then my manager like doesn't know shit about what's in the store because he's busy doing manager things so i was like bro you're literally asking the wrong person here you're gonna get the exact same answer and you just look dumb okay if this this man is is a karen what is what do you call a male karen either a kevin or a ken i think or like a david or a michael all of those names are just like fucking kevin like, yeah. God damn it, Michael. Like, they're just yeah. like, you know, my dad's name is Ken, so I can't I know, hate on that too much. Say, Ken's I was a gem. Tor- okay. Tor- Ken's Tor- a dad's gem. Name is Ken. <laughs> yeah. I've met a couple good Kens. I'll give you that one. I feel like, oh, what's. I don't even know. Chad's or Brad's are always good ones to rag on. Yeah, but they're not like old yet. Like, it's always the old guys that come in here and they're like... Because they still, they have to be like old enough to still hold on to their like misogynistic cores, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So good. Yeah, totally. (laughs) The daily woes. Especially because I I learned a lot working in a ski shop because I didn't even mountain bike and I got hired in a ski and bike shop as like a ski person. Mm -hmm. But then I stayed so that I had to learn all the bike Mm -hmm. things. So it took me a couple seasons. Like by the end of the second season, I started to kind of get my bearings a lot more on the bike side of things. Mm -hmm. But as someone selling ski gear, the amount of times that I would boot fit someone, fit them up, be like, yes, this is the best boot for you on this wall. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, oh, I want to talk to to someone else about this. I, I just I just need to talk to a guy about this or like I yeah. need to talk to my buddy or like whatever have you. Yeah. And then I have one of the boys go over and basically just reiterate everything I said. And yeah. then they walk out with that boot. I'm like, you just needed a man to tell you that this boot is yeah. the right boot for you. Like, Get a grip. Because you're that insecure. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. one time I had a customer that like, he had like the biggest, gnarliest fucking feet. Like they were like a 32, he had bone spurs, bunions, his toenails needed to be cut. And he's a shit, he, sorry, he was a shit fucking skier and I was boot fitting him. And he was just giving me so much attitude. And like my boss came over and he was just like, I'd been working at the shop for a couple months and he was like, there's no girls in the hard goods section. I had to fight for that. That's like on a whole other episode. I'm sure every people have heard before because I think I talk about it a lot. Um, but my boss came over just to like see how it was going because he knew these guys' feet were gnarly. And um, he was like, this is like a perfect boot. Like this is sick. And I was like, yeah, he's going to get footbeds, blah, blah, blah. I'll set him up with you and I'm going to go help this other person. And then the guy like got footbeds, got his boots, paid, left the store. And my boss pulled me into the back and he was like, yeah, so next time you get a boot fit, like just pass it over. And I was like, why? It was like, I did that perfectly. He bought the boot that I recommended, like bought footbeds yeah. and everything. And my boss was like, yeah, he directly told me that he wouldn't have bought them from you unless I came over. He fucking said that. Like, what the fuck? Okay, so that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be the boot, boot fitter. It means that he shouldn't be a customer. Oh, yeah, and it made me even more mad. Like, every single time someone came into the shop, especially if it was a dude, I was at the hard goods wall. I was like, fuck yeah. you. And I changed that shop. Now they're hiring yeah. goods to be, like, girls to be in hard goods. But, That's cool. like, I, fuck, I had, like, guys be like, oh, look at us, like, buying goggles from a pretty girl. Or I had this one guy, I would, like, talk to him for, like, half an hour about skis. And he was like, man, I wish my buddy was here to tell me what to get. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm telling you what to get. Yeah. And I was like, how long have you been skiing for? He was like two years. I was like, how long have your buddies been skiing for? Maybe a couple more. I was like, cool, cool, cool. I've been on ski since I was two. Yeah. You like, want to talk I about it? Let's, have... let's fucking talk about my credentials, yeah. bitch. Okay. <laughs> like your experience, your friend's experience combined is not my experience. Like, yes. And I have a friend, Nicola in New Zealand. She is an ex downhill Olympic skier and she literally has to drop that for credibility with dudes. Like what in the literal fuck? Yeah. I feel like job. bikes and maybe you can speak to that too, but like if you're trying to sell bikes, they're such a big ticket item that it mm -hmm. adds this extra layer of, of stress. Like, yeah, and like people yeah. wanting your credibility and they will yeah. get into like some of that nitty gritty tech yeah. stuff. And some of it like honestly doesn't even matter. No. And you get such a breadth of customer. You get people who like want to get into mountain biking and are yeah. just like trying to wrap their head around the prices of mountain bikes and what you get for a hardtail, what you get for entry-level full suspension. You get your people who are like actually really good at mountain biking and been doing it for a while and know exactly more or less what they want. But then it's like the in-between crowd that, that like, are probably the hardest to deal with. They really are. They're like, there's like those certain customers that like are like mid-tier riders that like just, I feel like the hardest ones are like the guys that are like not the best riders, but they just like read everything. They know angles. They know this. They're just re like, just basically like spewing pink bike articles back at me. And like, I don't read articles or watch videos or anything. So I'm just like going off of like my trail knowledge and my bike knowledge and everything. And then they're like, Oh, but it doesn't have this. Or why is this like this? And I'm like, well, like, you're not going to notice like 200 grams on a pedal. Like calm down. Like it's okay. I think you should be on this bike based on your skill level, where you're riding your budget. You don't need this. And then they're like, just like, ah, so, yeah, totally. And yeah. 
let me ask you this like maybe we could like quickly discuss just because I know that a lot of girls when they go into a shop they have like some pretty big imposter syndrome and trying to figure out what questions to ask and how to go about it and what might be a good fit for them and bikes are like impossible to just say in a podcast you should get this because there's so many variables of what you're riding and how you ride and where you want to be but like if a girl comes into a shop and they're feeling kind of nervous like do you have any tips for them or um I mean don't be afraid to ask the guys and just like be strong and like independent and like just just ask questions like I've had it literally happened yesterday but like like one of the reasons why I work at that shop is because I'm a girl so that girls can come in and like feel more comfortable to talk to me and I've literally had girls come up to me and be like oh yeah like I would never I would never be here I would wouldn't have bought this if you weren't here but like that's not the case in every shop um so just just go and you kind of just have to just push them around if you have to but um definitely I, if I were, like, a girl, like, coming into a shop and didn't really know what I want, I would definitely, like, ask some of my friends who know because, like, I know some men that are salespeople can definitely be very pushy and try and push you onto something. But definitely it doesn't hurt to ask questions. It doesn't hurt to ask your friends. It doesn't hurt to, like, Google things. Um, just because somebody's pushing you onto something doesn't mean you have to buy it, if that makes sense. They might just be trying to meet a sales quota or they might be trying to get rid of something they might be underestimating you, you know. All the above checks yeah. out. I think mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like a whole other aspect that's part of the problem doing research on stuff. There are so few resources online and like gear reviews, everything that are written from a female, like from the female gaze for the female gaze or even for like, like body weight, like ability, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And like we had a, was it Femi who, Femi Gnarly? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, she came on like quite a few episodes ago because she has done so much freaking research on the inequities of like gear reviews, accessibility mm-hmm. information that's written like for people other than like dudes. Yeah. It's just like like a ski is going to flex differently based on your weight. So like you can't compare the way that a ski would ride for somebody at a certain length. Like and just there's so many different things like calf position, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, so there's, but everything that you just said is like super freaking valid and also points out how important representation is in shops. Yes, like there's three girls in my shop and it literally happened yesterday. Um, And like girls have straight up come up to me or not even come up to me, sorry, come up to like my manager who's the nicest guy ever. I love my manager. He's such a nice guy, so easy to talk to. Would like, I'm comfortable selling anything to everybody. And she like straight up was like, I don't want to talk to you. Like I need to talk to a girl. And like waited until I was available to talk to her and to sell her something. I can't remember. Oh yeah. She wanted to like talk about a bike and I didn't have it in stock. And I just was like, girl, like I'm, I could try and sell you this bike that I do have in stock. That is definitely not the bike for you. Or you could go and get this other bike somewhere else. Like, I would rather you just get the right bike. Um, which I feel like sometimes people miss that when they're selling bikes is like, they're just trying to sell a bike. When it's like the customer's spending seven, to 15 grand on a bike they're not going to want to get the wrong one you know um and then like yesterday a customer came in and she was de- very timid at the start but very nice but like very timid like didn't know what really to ask and 
was very quiet. And then, like, me and my manager, like, got her on the right bike. And, like, we're, like, okay, we're going to do this to your bike. And just, like, walked her through the process of, like, what to do and, like, bike fitting and everything. And, like, she was just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, thank you so much. Like, I was so scared. Like, I didn't know what to ask. Like, I didn't know what to get. You know? So. Yeah, and there's like three girls that work in my shop, and I'm very glad that all of them work there because there's always a girl working at the shop now, which is rad that we have three like full-time year-round employees that are girls because there's like, I don't know, I want to say like 15 people that work at that shop. Like it's a big shop. And yeah. so the fact that like we have some representation and like there's always a girl working, so anyone that comes in is going to be comfortable um, like the sales manager of our like sister store. Well, she doesn't work there anymore. Our, the other store's sales manager was a girl, which was super cool. So she was like always ordering like pink stuff and like some stuff that some of the guys that are ordering wouldn't have gotten. And mm -hmm. it's been really cool that like I've been helping with like some of the ordering as well from my shop. And I was like, hey, like if you order this thing, like it's probably not going to sell because one, it's not going to fit anybody. And like, I think the other big push that I had in the shop was like expanding the women's section because there was just like this little tiny section. And I was like, no girls need, we need a bigger space. Like we have like, like half the women that come in here or half the people that come in here, sorry, are women. Like we need a bigger space for them. This is a man store. Um, and then like been helping to like order some like extra small and extra large clothes because that's like, there's people in the, that ride bikes that are not, a medium you know or not a small Preach. and that sometimes that gets overlooked all the time like I have girls come in and they're like yeah this doesn't fit I have to go to the man's section and I'm like hey I go to the men's section all the time too sometimes they just fit better but if you're not comfortable with that like we got to make sure we adapt for you so we're gonna order the extra large we're gonna order the extra small we're gonna order some colors we're also gonna order lots of other colors you know we're gonna order everything that's like literally all the things we've like preach to change mm -hmm. in that aspect of like the market like the yeah. food the supply chain or whatever it's, it's just all like dudes. it's all dudes honestly yeah. all of it i say it all the time and i'm not going to a marketing rant because i know i do that and i'm a fucking nerd but it's like it's all connected mm -hmm. and it all impacts people on the bottom line like those simple mm -hmm. choices like inclusive gear representation it creates a safe mm -hmm. space pulls people in to feel like they can progress, like they want to try the sport, like the, those weird little cues, those association that it builds in somebody's mind by not having those things tells them that they don't belong. And then yeah. they're not gonna try and then the industry's gonna die because guess what, it's just gonna be dudes and it's like the white dudes. It's like, that's yeah. such a small portion of the population. Yeah. But like, okay, sorry, I think I missed this at the beginning. Are you comfortable sharing like where the shop, like what shop it is? Oh yeah, 100%, yeah. I work at Corsa Cycles in Squamish, so if, you're okay. a girl and you want help and you want a new bike or you want questions or whatever, come see me. I will help you out. Okay. 100%. Go fucking hit it up, people yeah, come that need see me. help. Text me on Instagram. Like, ask me questions. I'll answer them. I just want to progress the sport and progress women in riding whatever way I can. Like, I love it. Yeah. Love and that's it. actually a great segue because Tori and I can literally do shop talk for hours. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> before, before, we, before we dip, hold on to the segue. Hold on to the segue. I just wanted to say that like an OG Wombtang idea that we had like early on in its conception was to create a database on our website of shops that have girls employed. And it's like a Wombtang check mark. It's like, love you need help. 
in your area it's like put in your area and then it's like Come oh here. here are shops that are like inclusive in like diversity and staff like sizing mm -hmm. like products that they offer it's just yeah. like that check mark and like helping like I don't know incentivize businesses to start getting their shit together mm -hmm. and I think and, everything you said exemplifies that it's super fucking important so maybe yeah, it is something we should do <laughs> I definitely think that like especially at my shop like they are like a forward-thinking shop I just am kind of there to like guide them because they're all guys but they do want to help and if you go into my shop and I'm not there like they're all gonna help you we have we are one of the biggest shops in the in Canada I don't know like we have a huge online store and everything and you can always just shoot me an email or shoot me a text and and like we're we have access to everything we're gonna try and get you the right product for whatever you need and like especially during the winter like I'm pretty like it's pretty slow so like I can you can literally just come in and I will talk to you for hours yeah fuck yeah that's yeah. And also, like, those guys, like, the guys that work at the shop, they're doing everything a good alley does. They listen, mm -hmm. like, actively listen. Mm -hmm. They learn and they mm -hmm. produce action, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. like, an implement change. That's, like, a good allyship. So, mm -hmm. yep. High yeah. five. Five stars on Yelp. Anyways, yeah, Renee, segue this shit. Yeah. I don't know where Let's you're going to go. go. <laughs> we'll go somewhere yes. else. Yes. Progression. You mentioned it. And this is one of the big things that I really want to talk to you about is progression, um, specifically with the Dark Horse event, because I think mm -hmm. there's, a f there's a lot of things we can talk about here. One is just Dark Horse and, and what it means to the Frog Mountain Bike community, yeah. because it's been running two years now and it's pretty sick. And like, I've loved seeing a lot of the young talent that's coming out of there, but you... <laughs> quite frankly fucked yourself up real good the first time around and i think really that fucked up. that's just a, a story in and of itself yeah. so walk us through dark horse getting invited to dark horse and your first experience from dark horse and we'll go from there yeah so basically like i've always been a racer and like the free ride scene and especially like the women's free ride scene is like really new like formation is like been kind of like the headliner for it and like it's really cool to see that now like um there's been a lot of like inclusive inclusivity and in, like for women and um in like some more like free ride and like joyride-esque jump jams and stuff like that um and basically like last summer like summer of 2021 um i was like racing and stuff and focusing on racing and hadn't given free ride like much of a thought and then Casey Brown, who I've just known forever, was like, hey, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this event. Like, do you want to come? And I was like, heck yeah, like, I don't even know what it is. But like, hanging out with more girls and riding bikes, like, sign me up 100%. Um, so yeah, it was dark horse, obviously. And uh, basically, it was like five or six days, like, um, we go to Revelstoke, you just have to get yourself to Revelstoke. And then everything is taken care of. You're just there. You just get to think about bikes and ride your bike. And you get to stay in a hotel called the Sutton Place, which is gorgeous. And we got, like, food donations and so many donations and everything. And it was just a progression session. People think it's a competition because there are awards, but it's not. It's just five days of riding. You get to go do trail riding. You get to ride the course. You get to hit the airbag. You get to hit the mulch jump. Uh, this year, we got to go see a physio called Keystone Health. Um, in Revelstoke and they did like some assessments on us we're like hey like based on this like you should be training this a bit more and so it's and like some mental and nutrition talks and it was just like 
it's just a progression session um, for like women's free ride to progress. Um, so props to Casey for putting that together and to Louise Hatton for actually organizing everything and to Revelstoke for hosting. Um, yeah, so last year and this year I went. Um, last year there was smaller. It was not as many girls. And this year there was either two or three times as many girls, which is rad. Like so many girls were there. It was crazy to see like girls from New Zealand, girls from Australia, I think, um, all across BC, the States, everybody was there. Um, I got to like be in a hotel room with like four other, like 13 year old girls. So I was called the grand mom all week, which was funny. Um, uh, I love them. I'm, I'm not mad at all. Um, yeah, last year, like Michaela Gatto got to go has, um, this year, like, um, some more like younger girls were there, like Eris, uh, Van Leuven from New Zealand came like Zoe, something I'm forgetting her last name. Tate Prue-Royds was there, like Lucy Van Easternen. Um, and like along with riding bikes, like just we have our little family now and like it's just really connected all the girls as a whole. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's the Dark Horse Chorus, which uh, they made at the Revelstoke Mountain Bike or like Mountain Bike Park just for the event. Um, and I think they're talking about opening it up to the public but there's like some legal issues with that. So I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, but it was, yeah, we got to do this big drop, which was really scary. Um, and then like a whole course. Um, and then like, but alongside the course, um, there was like an airbag and a mulch jump. So it really was like, I got to practice my tuck nose. Like people are practicing their flips. Girls are practicing their 360s. Like it's totally just progression, if that makes sense. And it's sick. Yeah. Is there coaching there as well? Um, or more like mentorship from? It's mostly mentorship from the other riders and like from Casey and like Kaz and Georgia and all those girls. They're just, mm -hmm. everybody's feeding off each other and helping each other. Um, and then like, I know a lot of people were really confused why there was guys riding in like the session because, oh yeah. So there's like, four or five days, I can't remember, of just, like, riding, practicing, doing things, yoga, riding boulder, mountain, like, doing biking, and then on the Saturday, there's, like, an actual session, where it's just, like, there's an announcer, like, Katie Burrell was the announcer this year, there's music, like, everybody comes from Revelstoke, and it's a free event, and you get to watch, and people were really confused why there was guys riding, and it was, like, Brett Reeder, Hayden Zablotny, um, and some local guys, and they were there just to, like, help coach us like Brett's helping us with like tricks and jumping and they're helping us as mentors and coaches as well and that's why they were there they were invited because why not just because it's a girls event doesn't mean they can't be there to help you know yeah actually like the first year they ran it I remember afterwards seeing a bunch of pink bike comments yeah <laughs> that were all just... the pink bike comments <laughs> yeah I know right yeah <laughs> But just all, we're exactly what we said. They just didn't get it. They didn't yeah. understand that it wasn't a competition. And the comments were a lot more specifically. They were like, like with um, like athletes like Michaela Gatto and like uh, Miranda Miller and and Casey Brown. They're all there, and people are like, "Well, you know, why are all of these like younger athletes here? Like, I came to see Casey Brown ride. I came to see." 
Miranda Miller ride. And yeah. they like didn't understand that the point was for these riders who have made it to be mentoring the ones who want to make it and are like yeah, coming like up in the sport. Yeah. Exactly. And like mm-hmm. this like was totally just like the point was completely lost 100%. on a lot of folks. Yeah. And I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that it was like 99% men mm-hmm. on which this point was so, lost. <laughs> I'm going to go 100%. I'm going to go 100%. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. People just didn't get it. And I mean, I never, I didn't really see any or there was a few press releases, but I never really saw a lot of just like info out there saying what it was. Like there was a couple of interviews and stuff, but I don't think people actually listened and they yeah. just like, and it was new. Well, and- yeah. And it's new, but it, it was the same thing this year with people were like, Oh, well, like it's an event. It's a competition. It's like, no, it's just a jam session. It's just for fun. Like fest series. It was basically a women's fest series, fest series, but then better, like way better. Um, because like the fest series, there's like a couple of awards, but there isn't like a winner, you know, it's not like a judged event. It's not, you're not racing against the clock or anything. It's just a couple of dudes hanging out, having fun, you know, in big jumps. Yeah. So your first year. Yeah. Last year, 2021, uh, was, a, was an event. I will say. Was um, an event. It I'm was- sorry. Was an event. <laughs> It was a chapter of my life that I'm happy is over and I've closed that chapter, but I'm very grateful it was there. You know, like I learned a lot from sitting on the couch for six months after Dark Horse because it all went to shit. Um, unless you haven't heard. Um, okay, let's get like a, let's say like someone hasn't heard, like give us like the bite for bite. Like I want to know, like, Okay, if you're comfortable, sorry, I shouldn't say oh, that. it's all good. 100%. Okay, I want to know, like, you're in the air, whatever happened, like, what was going through your head? Like, was okay. it like, oh, fuck? Like, 100%. I want to know play-by-play, like, before, okay. during, after recovery. <laughs> I want to preface it with, if you haven't seen the drop from last year, because they reworked it, to no one's surprise, because of what I did, um, they reworked it for this year, but last year, it was a wooden drop, with about I want to say 20 to 23 feet straight down and then the landing and the landing wasn't very long but the like the drop would have been fine if the landing wasn't so freaking close to the drop it was like you go you're going off you do a bunny hop and then you just fly through you just fall you just fall down until you hit the landing with because like I want to say the landing was only like five feet out from the drop for a 20 foot drop. Like the math was not mathing. Like if you go to dark or a dirt merchant, it's it's like oh, oh you go fast in a dirt merchant and you just fly off the drop and then you hit the landing and it's like usually like a perfect triangle where it's like maybe like 15 feet out but like 20 feet down, you know? But this one was like super unproportionate. I don't know. I think they were rushed with the build. I don't know. I've never seen a drop like that before, not even like in a smaller scale. So it's a progression session and not only are we hitting a drop that's 20 feet and I've never hit something that big before. I've never hit this style of drop. So I actually cried when I hit it for the first time because I was that stressed out about it. Like I literally ran into Robin O'Neill's arm and cried because I was like, Oh my fuck, I did it. Cause I did so many like run-ins into it. Cause I was so stressed out about it. Anyways, I was following Hannah Bergman She's a great person to follow if you want to hit something. 
Um, so I was like hitting it a couple of times and then like on the day of the comp, I'm pretty sure I had already had a concussion because I hit my head a couple of times in the mulch jump in the airbag enough to like crack my visor. So I was like, mm, stress, already having a concussion and like tired from like four or five days of riding. Just not a good combo, but it was the event. So I had to do it. And then we're like in the event and I'd only been following people into the drop. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to do this by myself. So then I like, do a couple um like drops by myself and I'm like overshooting it like into the corner like just missing the landing basically it was bad and then um we were at the top and then there was like a little riders meeting during the event um and Casey was telling us all about like all the different awards that were happening so there was like um, like the Dark Horse Award for like the most progressed and just kind of like the best all-round rider through the week. Like it's all rider voted. Um, and then there was like best trick and like I can't remember the other ones, but then there was a best crash. And she was like at the top and was, Casey was like, okay, I don't want to have to give this out. Like don't make me give this one out. Like it's here. Like hopefully you're just going to like crash. If it's a small crash or like a, a little thing, like I don't want this award. And I'm like standing at the top and I'm like, okay, I got to get going. I can't be standing here for much longer. I'm losing my groove. So then I just dropped in and I died. I literally died right after she said, like, I don't want to have to give out this. Uh, it's called the letter buck award and it's a beautiful trophy. It's like wooden. And then there's like this metal cowgirl riding a bucking Bronco with like mountains in the background. It's on my wall. I love it so much. It's a beautiful piece of art. But I just think it was so funny that she was like, I don't want to have to give this out. And then I was like, I can't listen to this conversation anymore. Like, I just need to hit this drop. I'm just stressing out about it. So then I just dropped in. And then basically, I had gone too fast the time before. So then I was like, okay, I need to go slower. But I went too slow. And then I popped at the same time. And when I popped, I didn't clear the landing or I didn't clear the deck of the drop and my back tire hit the edge of the drop and just like my like it just forced my bike to like twist and then my handlebars dropped out of my arms and you can go and see the video on my Instagram it's pinned because it's that funny I think it's funny looking back at it like now that I've recovered and everything like I'm in a good state about it you're allowed to laugh um, I'm literally flying through the air, just like with my hands, like trying to hold on to the handlebars, but the handlebars are like a foot down below me. And then as soon as I like rode into it, like was riding off the, oh yeah, you're just watching it right now. <laughs> Tori, I've seen, seen, seen this video. Tori just watched it for the first time. Oh, you haven't seen it before? <laughs> no, I'm watching it right now. You were just like describing it and that exact moment happened and I was yeah. like, oh, it's like, <laughs> it's so bad. And you got fucking dummied. I oh died. My Holy God. God. I died. Um, anyways. <laughs> but basically, as soon as I, like, popped off the drop, I just was like, fuck. Like, I knew exactly what happened. I'm, like, flying through the air with no hand, nothing on my handlebars. My arms are, like, straight out in front of me. And all I see is the fucking ground coming at me. And so I just, like, put my arms out. 
I dislocated my right collarbone. I didn't break my collarbone. I dislocated, which is like a one in two million chance or something on impact. That's and actually I, wild. It's fucking wild. They like the doctor in the hospital. She was a, I can't remember her name. She was a god. I love her. Um, she even like personally followed up with me a couple times, which was really cool. Um, she was like, girl, what the fuck did you do? Like, I've never seen this before. This doesn't happen. Your collarbone's designed to break. Um, anyways, I broke or I dislocated that collarbone on impact. And then I, that was my right arm. And I put a buckle fracture on my radius on my left arm. So I have two broken arms because of this crash. I compressed my neck. I have whiplash. And I have a disgusting concussion. I, I was, my helmet was like in pieces. Like, because I fell 20 feet through the air to my hands, basically. And then I did a roll a couple times. And then apparently I was quiet for a second. I don't really remember anything. Like, I hit my head. Like, I already had a concussion, adrenaline. I've hit my head multiple times before. So my memory is just kind of dog shit anyways. Uh, but apparently I was, like, quiet for a second. And then I just, like, let out the worst scream ever. Like, it was, like, a bone-chilling scream or something. But everyone was, like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. She's she's alive. She's not dead. She's alive. Um, yeah. So that put a damper on the rest of the event, for sure. Because then I had to, like, get packaged up and, like, taken in an ambulance to a hospital. Um, but, yeah, we didn't know what was wrong with me. We just knew that, like, I had a broken arm and a broken collarbone. And Michaela Gatto was holding my C-spine when they because I let I stopped rolling on my stomach and then she was holding my c-spine when they flipped me over and my collarbone dislocated again because I tore all of the ligaments off and it was my sternoclavicular joint so it's at my neck it's not at my shoulder that part of my collarbone so it's like I could have died I literally could have died because when it dislocates and Michaela got to saw this when they flipped me over it dislocates through my jersey and goes in, into my neck. So it could like puncture my windpipe or my carotid, however you say that word, artery, or like my. Um, wait, 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 wait. What the doctor wait, wait. told me. Your bone came out of your neck, out like Comes, out of like, it's like it was pointing out? No, it, so like, the part. Like, oh, it jumps. Okay, it's but, inside. It's, it's not outside. I was just, like, I imagine it's like. Inside. like <laughs> it's inside, yeah. but like you can see it through my jersey. Like it's that aggressive. So it could still puncture it, but just not like, yeah. I'm imagining it's like jumping out and it's like, huzzah! Yeah. And then and, like, just it's, like. It's fully under the skin, but like yeah. it could puncture something under the skin, which was what they were super worried about. Jesus. Fucking rice, Bailey. Yeah, that's why I didn't ride a bike for six months because they were like, you're going to die. Like just just heal this properly because they can't operate on it because apparently they've operated on it on other people and accidentally killed them, um, which I don't want to happen. So I didn't get surgery. Um, so not only did I have like a one in two million chance of dislocating my collarbone, dislocated multiple times because of things, but then I have a buckle fracture on my radius, which apparently is not supposed to happen if you're over 12 and I was 19 and they were like, what like what the fuck is wrong with you and i was like i don't know anyway so it like dislocated they giving me like this thing called the green whistle which is like amazing it's just this like whistle of i don't know morphine or something that you like breathe in they're like shooting ketamine up my nose like i'm in that much pain like, i'm just dead <laughs> i loved 
literally <laughs> i'm sorry there's like here take a bump we know that was fucking just, rough but he just, like, like <laughs> it was disgusting it was such a bad taste in my mouth because like the ketamine like comes through the roof of your mouth onto your tongue oh uh, yeah disgusting but it felt really good um and then okay so like obviously this is all terrible and this crash is horrific and i'm like i'm like oh my god i was so high on the drugs like the the like head medical you can't guy. not be high on drugs after that like Fuck, if they're so not making high. you high on drugs at the hospital when you do yeah. that to this yourself is still like, on they're the doing you a disservice this is still on the mountain too okay and like yeah. the head the head yeah, but they have to give guy. you something man yeah the, the like head medical guy on the mountain i actually met him oh i i didn't mean sorry i saw him again this year when i went back to dark horse um and he the first thing he said to me was like Oh yeah, do you remember what your answer was? Because he asked me what the meaning of the universe was when I was super fucked up on ketamine and I said fucking Doritos. That was literally my answer. I don't even like Doritos. I don't. I just saw a TikTok in the morning of this baby holding a bag of Doritos that was literally as big of it. And then he was like, What's the meaning of the universe? And I was like, Doritos. But I don't even eat Doritos. Anyways, that that was the whole thing. Wait, is this on the internet? Is that what you just said? Or did somebody make a meme about it? Uh, I saw a video of a baby holding a bag of Doritos that was as big as a baby. And then there's a video of the guy asking me what the meaning of the universe is. And I'm like, fucking Doritos. But I was like, fucking Doritos or something because I was super high. (laughs) Fucking Doritos, man. (laughs) I don't even like Doritos, but it's just a funny thing. And then um, the story's not over yet. The shit show is not over. Um, then we get to the hospital, and I'm like coming in between the ketamine, and they hadn't given me anything yet. So I'm like coming down, and I'm like starting to feel more things. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know where I am. None of the medical staff are telling me what to do or what to do or what's going on. Like there's COVID patients all around me. I'm trying not to catch COVID. They're like trying to get me off. And honestly, this next thing is like what bugs me the most out of all of the the whole thing like I'm okay that I got hurt and everything but like they had to take me off the stretcher and we didn't know what was wrong with my collarbone they thought I just broke it but like obviously it's just like my wrist and my arm because I broke it here uh, at my wrist um and they rolled me onto my broken collarbone like my hurt collarbone side to get me off the stretcher which then put all of my weight onto my collarbone, which severely dislocated it. It was the worst dislocation I had had just to get me off the stretcher when they were like, okay, we're going to roll you onto that side. And I was like, I was lucid enough to like, say, I don't, don't do that. Like, I'm not comfortable with that. And they did it anyways. That was like, what really bugged me was the fact that they didn't listen to the fact that I probably had a broken collarbone and they're like putting my entire body weight onto it. Um, but I survived. Yeah, that was the worst. Uh, There was another girl that had gotten hurt, and she was coming in an ambulance outside of the hospital, and she heard me screaming because I hurt that bad. And I think what, like, obviously it was like they weren't listening to me, but I knew it was coming because they said they were going to do it. That is what made it hurt so much because I knew it was coming. I could expect it. And then it dislocated, which is just a disgusting feeling. But then, yeah, then I got patched up. Um, I had driven myself to Revelstoke, which is like nine hours away by myself. So then how am I supposed to drive my truck back when I have two broken arms? 
So then somebody had to drive me home. Michaela drove me home. Um, she was violently hungover when she drove me home because it was her birthday. Um, and then my family was in Europe because my brother was about to win world champs. Um, so I had no family here, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Like the hardest days were the first three days. and My mom wouldn't have been able to get a flight home anyways until then. So I just went to my grandma's house and just lived with my grandma for a couple, like two weeks. Um, yeah, didn't, that was about it. I just couldn't do anything because I had two broken arms. Like my one arm was in a sling and my one arm was in a cast. And then after a couple of days, I like figured out how to like take my arm out of the sling and like do like a kind of like just at the elbow movement because I just couldn't move my shoulder. And then I was in a cast for like six to eight weeks. I can't remember. And then was in a sling for supposed to be three months, but I gave up on it pretty quick. Um, I did use it for pity points though a lot because people will do anything for you if you have two broken arms. Same with crutches. Uh, same with crutches. But like, yep. fuck, we went to Snowshoe for the last World Cup because my parents were going with Jackson and I was like, you're not leaving me behind. Um, I'm coming even though I have two broken arms. Um, and just like getting on the airplane with two broken arms and like going through security, like it's just a breeze. It's so easy. Um, and then, yeah, I couldn't ride a bike for six months to the day. Like I broke myself on the 20th and I rode a bike for the first time on the 20th of a different, of the six months later, which I thought was funny. Um, my collarbones are at two different heights in my skin or in my chest. So like you can feel it and one of them's higher and protruding more than the other one is. Um, but yeah, other than that, I made a full recovery. I... Obviously, I'm, like, suffering from a lot of concussion symptoms, so I probably won't remember much of this podcast tomorrow, much of the details, um, just because I don't remember anything um, from a lot. Um, yeah, made a full recovery. My arms are all good. Like, my shoulders, one, one shoulder is weaker than the other. Sometimes I get pain in my arm. Um, and then I didn't get to train very much last winter because I was obviously on the couch injured. So I was like, okay, 2022, new year. Bailey's not going to get hurt. We're just going to do what I can. And I don't care. And I just want to ride my bike for fun. And then I had a fucking phenomenal year. Uh, first race back, I got second, which I was not expecting at all, which was super rad because I wasn't expecting it. Second race back, I won. Um, then just was like on a winning streak for a little while. Wasn't off the podium once won national champs, which is, like, the biggest fucking achievement of my entire career, like, winning elite national champs with a stacked field, like, less, I think it was, like, 10 months after my crash, um, then I went to Worlds, I, like, got 30, 20, 23rd in the world, which is pretty good, and then, uh, race, like, Val Sol, which is the hardest track ever, like, it was so hard, and I, just told myself I was like you have nothing to prove you've had a great year like have fun because having fun is my whole motto and just like make it down and it was the hardest run I've ever done um I thought my shoulder like I honestly thought my collarbone was going to dislocate and it has not dislocated since I left the hospital and I thought it was going to dislocate again like it was that hard um yeah that was about it it was a good year surprising Shit. all things yeah. considered i didn't think it was gonna happen do like, you think though that because you didn't have those 
expectations for yourself. Like if you had spent the entire winter training really hard and anticipating all these comps coming up, you would have been in such a different spot mentally. Like, do you think that the fact that you're just like, I'm just going to have fun. I'm not going to put pressure on myself that let you just ride for fun and just flow through it. And yes. And no, because like, I don't really ever put that pressure on me anyways. Okay, I do. So that's why (laughs) I don't know why I'm probably it's probably not a good trait as like a professional athlete. But like, I don't I'm just like, I think it's better for me mentally to be okay with not winning before I race than it is for me to try and like, be okay with not winning if I expect myself to win. Um, So I I think I was just keep going. That's okay. I just I just want to say how like I surprised myself with like just the technical skills that I had after that crash after not riding for six months. Like the fact that I just like was able to be like I I just didn't expect to like be at a winning level after doing like fuck all all winter. And then I was like, oh fuck. Okay. I guess I guess that went well, I guess. But Yeah. I've got like um science things behind like that concept with psychology but it's called uh actually just learned about well my therapist is trying to get me to be better at this sometimes i get stuck on things and i struggle with it other things i'm really good at this with but um it's called radical acceptance sounds like a hippie term but it's like where you can accept something the state of what it is without needing to change it um and acceptance doesn't mean like love, compassion, like, uh, you know, judgment or like you want it yeah. or anything like that. It's like you just kind of like accept what is going to happen is going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And the way that it benefits your nervous system and it actually triggers a dialectal thinking in your brain, which allows you to look at things out of a black and white paradigm and behave and act in a flow state. Yeah, like definitely... I've never heard of that before, but that's exactly the conclusion I came up to with racing at Val de Sol. Like, I super hard track, like, end of my year. I've already had a good year. I was like, told myself, I was like, fast is fun. Like, or no, sorry, fun is fast. Like, have fun because I can very easily, like, have a mood switch and not have fun. Like, just have fun and you'll be fast. And you don't care if you qualify. Like, you don't care. Like, I was just telling myself, like, I don't care. Like, I just need to make it down for my own. Like, that was my goal was survive down this mountain. Don't crash. Be in one piece and you'll be okay. Um, Because, like, just to put it into perspective how hard that track is, it was, like, five minutes of pure rock and no breaks. There's literally one break where there's this bridge and it's at the top of the fucking mountain. Like, there's no breaks the entire time. And you're trying to race. And it was so hard that, like, the top athletes like Amory Piron and Valley Hole were complaining about it and saying how this can't happen next year. It's that hard. Um, yeah, and that's pretty wild, too, hey? Because I I started watching DH World Cup this year. Yeah. So I'm, like, a brand-new World Cup DH follower. And mm-hmm. uh, we can thank my partner for that. But, uh, yeah, I – I'm starting to like learn all the names and watch all these tracks. So like I can respect when you say that these girls yeah. are complaining about it. Like yeah. they are they're the world's real riders. Like and they're complaining I, about it. Yeah. And it was such a physical, like it was so physical on my shoulder. Like I don't know how. Like at the end, 
like there was like three corners and I almost washed the front end in all three corners like one in a row I thought I was just laughing at myself and there's this picture of me like basically sideways I don't know how I wrote it out but I did because I was like just fucking make it down um but like also to put it into perspective of how hard that track was just for qualifying eight girls pulled over halfway down the mountain and didn't finish so the fact that I even finished I was like hallelujah like that's good enough for me and people are like well that's not what you should be thinking about if you want to be a racer and I'm like this is the one track that I'm okay with that like this is fine this is for me like mentally I need to be okay with this like it's already happened I can't beat myself up for not going faster like I don't care like I had fun I survived good on me like yeah yeah so good world cup season and then you go back to dark horse Mm. so if you had good good mental like mentally you're in a good place for racing Mm -hmm. but how did it go hitting that same drop again in dark horse to finish out your season well they changed the drop and they made it smaller and safer but i actually never hit it again because i just mentally could not get past it i was like just it's the same 100 percent. i could have done it i know i could have if you had taken the exact like measurements and angles of that drop and built it somewhere else i would have done it without batting an eye but it was the fact that it was like the same run in you're looking at the same boardwalk you're looking at the same mountains and then you hit the drop i just i i tried to do it but i just like my mental like i just couldn't mentally get over it so i like tried to do it a couple times and i was just like stressing out about it i like my fingers were fucking torn to shreds because I like pick my fingers I was that stressed out about it and then I just was like you know what like I don't need to do this I'm here for other reasons I'm here just to progress I've had a fucking killer year like I don't need to do this to prove anything so I just made the executive decision I was like I'm not gonna do this drop I don't need to I'm gonna hit the airbag I'm gonna hit the mulch jump I'm gonna support the other girls but I don't need to potentially hurt myself again over this stupid drop basically so i didn't do it and some people give me shit for it but i don't really care yeah i don't think it's fair if anyone's gonna give you shit for that because ultimately with mountain biking if you in your gut do not feel something is right then that's the worst time to do it Mm -hmm. and there'll be other years like maybe next year you'll go back and and you'll feel ready and you'll hit more drops that are like that one or Mm -hmm or yeah. whatever but if your gut is telling you no not today mm-hmm. and yeah 100 i think like the other thing too is like i 1 million percent had to practice more to be able to do it because i was so focused on racing i never rode cl- flats all year i never rode big drops or anything because i was so focused on racing that i never got to like practice my free ride aspect So then I just basically went to Dark Horse with, like, not practicing at all. So if I had practiced more and, like, put more effort and, like, training into, like, drops and, like, bigger jumps, then I would have been able to do it. But, like, I had bigger fish to fry. So I I just chose racing, basically. And it worked out. So I'm not mad. Word. You've said a couple things that I think should just be standard. Like, all the things that, like 
you noticed about how you were feeling and like mm-hmm. what had happened previously before you sent and you're like not mm-hmm. a good time to be sending we should have yeah. those as like a should i send it checklist literally like, because like am i tired last <laughs> I year potentially be concussed <laughs> yeah. last year should have been preventable like it just should have never happened um if i had listened to myself and listened to my body and like just been like okay bailey like you're you've hit your head a couple times you're really tired you're not confident on this maybe you should just like not do it but it was like i was like hadn't figured that out yet and it was an event and there was a lot of people watching and i was like oh my god i gotta do it and then i died um so then now i've like super somebody i can't remember who it was somebody was like i'm really proud of your mental enlightenment and i was like fuck yeah that's a good way to word it i'm really stoked on that so i'm proud of myself for not doing the drop and like being enlightened about it um and yeah and it was a good year hands down and next year is going to be better hell yeah yeah um as we wind down this episode because we're we're hitting our our time here um let people know where to find you if they have any shout outs if you have any shout outs to any brands that help you out along the way or or anything this is your cat you know Um, sounds like your grandma is a (laughs) A yeah. real gem. Grandma Goldstone, <laughs> real G for putting up with my shit because I was super concussed and angry because I couldn't do anything. So I was definitely not in the best mind. I uh, love my family. Thank you to my family for everything, for even getting me into mountain bikes because I like, who knows where I'd be without biking because I literally don't know anything better. Um, thanks you to Corsa Cycles and Specialized and Fox. They're like my biggest sponsors. Corsa, um, can find me there uh anytime uh thank you for giving me all the fucking time off to go and do all of these cool things specialized for the bikes box for the gear um case brown for inviting me to dark horse and giving me the opportunity to crash and learn because i learned a lot from crashing um yeah so it's pretty good in the main guys yeah and where can people find you where can people oh, yeah. watch the crash if you want to see the crash it is pinned in my instagram which is literally just Bailey Goldstone. It's just my name. It made it super easy. You can text me on Instagram. Just send me an Instagram message message if you have any questions. Like I'm fucking on my phone all the time, so I'm gonna see it. Um, you can send me there. Um, you can see me at like all of the downhill races, pretty much. I'm gonna be around. I'm on pink bike sometimes. I've been on the homepage a couple times, which is gonna be pretty cool. Like you can follow me and my brother. Um, we're a cool little duo. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah and and as we before we go i just need to say that your bike like with all the like little miss everything that went yes. on this year like i cannot end this yeah. episode without um, your little miss on your bike which i think is, yeah. is pretty sick and again like i think there's yeah. prob- it's probably got a photo on your instagram if people don't is. understand the like verbal description of it but it's, yeah amazing if you want a little description basically when i won national champs i obviously got selected to go to world champs because i'm the best in canada and specialized um was kind enough to uh custom paint me a frame and surprise me with it so i have my very first ever world champs frame which is like a huge deal in the industry and usually only factory level riders get them so the fact that i was a privateer and i got one and it was a complete surprise i knew it was happening 
and it was such a logistical nightmare to even get it. I'm surprised it even happened. Uh, but it was just a red and white frame, gloriously painted by Impact Designs in Quebec. Uh, with uh, There's a faint gold marble in it as well, because goldstone, gold, everything. I love gold. <laughs> um, and then on the top tube, there's uh, Little Miss Sunshine from the Mr. Men and Little Miss books, which are the books that me and my brother actually grew up on. Like, we have the entire collection. We fucking love them. Um, and I thought it was so funny that became a meme this year. And then when I won National Champs, the very first thing I posted about it was the Little Miss Sunshine because she was like my character as a kid. And I just put Little Miss National Champ over it and then posted that as like, I won National Champs, which I think was pretty cool. And then uh, the little like hidden design on my World Champs frame was uh, Little Miss Sunshine. But instead of saying Little Miss Sunshine on it, it said Little Miss fucking pinned. Which I think is fucking hilarious, but the fucking was blurred out, obviously, um, just for PG-13 reasons. But uh, shout out to James and Specialized and Impact Designs for doing that. Uh, made my year. Gonna ride it for a little bit more because it's glorious, and then it's going up on the wall. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for yeah. chatting with us today. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, thank you. This was yeah. thoroughly entertaining on a Thursday <laughs> evening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love Thursdays, they're my Saturday. <laughs> oh, sick. I have yeah. one more day of work, so I'm not yeah. quite there. Almost yet, there. Almost, almost there. there. Okay, I'm just before we say like 100% by your name is like a pro mountain biker name, like Bailey really? Stone. Yeah, oh, I like, you. like it just like rings well. Like, you know how you see like someone's like sick name sometimes? You're like, this is mm -hmm. dope. And then there's yeah. other ones where you're just like, Mm, it's you the know, name it's the name it's in the, it's name. the name bailey yeah. goldstone she's going crush it yeah okay people uh make fun of it all the time they're like yeah you bail a lot i'm like uh. <laughs> you're like because of that one time that's on the internet yeah. forever okay yeah. thank you very much yeah thank you very much next yeah <laughs> next okay mm -hmm. thank you bailey cool thank you guys so much